money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. And guys, you've heard me mention a few times that this is the best year that I've had and I've seen by far in terms of real estate investing. So what does that look like? So I'll tell you that the 2021 full year forecast for sales, we expect some of that, that sales volume in several of the different major markets that I'm going to be reporting on tonight should be up somewhere between 20 to 25% over where we were in 2020. And 2020 was a blowout year, right? 2020 completely blew out 2019 in spite of, and in some cases because of this disruption that we've had. And uh, some of you guys may be asking, well, how are we gonna get a 20% increase in sales? We don't even have a 20% increase in inventory of homes to be able to sell, right? So I'll explain uh, what that looks like as well. And I think uh, the, 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 the bigger thing that we're seeing too is uh, a 25 to a 30% increase in year over year average price. Uh, why is that? Why are we seeing these big increases in price and these big increases in sales? Why is that? People moving to Texas. That's who you wanna play bumper cars with, right? Texas is closed, <laughs> but uh, uh, some of the things that are going on, and I've identified about 13 different things, and that's why the font here is so very small, uh, but uh, our inventory is slow, so low for, for several different reasons, right? There's a little bit of uncertainty when, uh, with sellers, so when, when you're uncertain, when you're saying to yourself, hmm, I'm worried I might lose my job. When you're worried you might lose your job, are you thinking like, hey, honey, this is the perfect time to sell our house and move and buy another house. Are you thinking that? No, you're not. You're thinking like, if I play possum, maybe like nobody will know that I'm still here at work and I'll still keep getting my paycheck, right? So when people are afraid, they typically get paralyzed. They typically don't go into motion. And then there's also the question of, are the potential buyers that are walking to my house, what is their condition, right? Are they healthy? And or do I have someone who might be immune compromised in my own home that I'm worried about? And I don't have time to hand sanitize the whole house after every time somebody comes in and out of this place. And I don't know what they've touched. So that's something that has stopped buyers, pardon me, stopped sellers from putting properties on the market. And then of course, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I, uh, I, I am on Zoom meetings all day, every day. And um, my, my, our son just started school last Tuesday, so he just finished his first week of school. Uh, he is live and in person, but we're, we wouldn't be shocked if they started to do online classes again and probably in the next you know, few weeks to a few months. In fact, some school districts have already tried to propose that. So now with a buyer is coming into your house, they're not on, only interrupting your Zoom meeting, they might be interrupting your child's Zoom meeting, right? And uh, I don't know, you know, for before, like if, you know, you put your house on the market, you had a uh, potential buyer coming over, well, you would just go down to the local Starbucks, right? Well, what has Starbucks done? They've taken out all of their chairs and said, yes, you'll be taking this to go, right? So you can't even go there. There's no, pl and, and it's 100 degrees outside, so you don't certainly want to go outside. Uh, either. So that's a big interruption. I think people are trying to limit and minimize those disruptions. And of course, these incredibly low interest rates, 
These incredibly low interest rates have allowed these housing prices to float up, and it has motivated sellers to uh, uh, refinance, and it has motivated the buyers to go out there and start to buy properties, right? And you can afford them now, even though the prices have gone up so much because the interest rates still make the payments incredibly low. Uh, the last market cycle changed how builders develop and how builders build forever. They used to kind of just say, hey, we, we build it and they'll come. Mm, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, some parts of 2012 taught builders a completely different lesson. So now they are not building something unless they have at least three contracts, uh, a regular contract and two backup contracts on every house that they are building, right? Because they don't want to get in the same situation that they were uh, 10, 12 years ago. And of course, the labor shortage, immigration policies, border crossing insecurity is stopping a lot of those would-be contractors, those would-be laborers. And, and a lot of, you know, you know I'm, I'm all about border security, but I, I do want to make sure that when we're IDing people, let's just ID for the people who are coming here to work their butts off for us, doing all the things that we don't want to do, right? Let's, all, let's let all those people in. Because by the way, those are all the people that are very helpful in building our houses. But things have fewer and fewer people come to this country uh, because of some of those immigration policies. And of course, uh, material shortage, uh, supply chain disruption. Uh, you're, you're, you got your last thing that you're waiting on for your fix and flip, and it's an over-the-counter microwave. Unfortunately, the one that you were going to get is now on a three-month backlog. So you're going to eight different Home Depots to see if you can get another one that will work, right? So that's causing some issues in terms of even our ability as real estate investors to put properties on, uh, on, on the market as well. And of course, prices have gone up for labor, prices have gone up for material, prices have gone up for land. And especially the rural land right now, in, in, and especially in the Texas Hill Country all around here, you're seeing those prices go up substantially and you're seeing those sales. You know, you guys saw me put up that, you know, I, I thought that the sales volume was going to go up somewhere between 20 and 25%. Last year, rural sales uh, in the, kind of the Texas Hill Country area between Austin and San Antonio were up in some areas up 70% year over year. Now, not, uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics, when there were only 10 sales <laughs> in that county in the prior, in the prior, you know, month or the prior year, you know, 70 70% discounts, only another seven more sales, right? But still, it is adding up, and you are seeing some of those, uh, even that land go up in value as well. City permitting, of course, and building codes make, make houses more expensive. It takes us longer to build those houses as well, and that adds to holding costs, which again makes these houses more expensive. And then what I like to call the Elon effect, right? Elon Musk puts on a cowboy hat, sits next to Greg Abbott and says, I'm a Texan now, right? And then everywhere you look on every license plate you see, it's a license plate from California. That's right. So uh, that's causing more companies and more people to move to Texas. And of course, some owners have also realized, wow, the best investment that I ever made was in my personal residence. I'm not quite sure that I want to let that go just yet. Maybe we'll turn it into a rental or maybe we'll turn it into an Airbnb, but we certainly don't want to let it go. So you're seeing more properties being held as rental properties as well. And this is the one that uh, I, I kind of find uh, the most interesting uh, in terms of disruptions. And, and I've kind of saw, seen this one more of a threat to uh, uh, real estate, real estate agents, as well as real estate investors. 
uh, but the institutional buyers that are coming here looking for properties, meaning the hedge fund buyers that are looking for properties. A colleague of mine told me they just got uh, contacted by a, uh, a pension fund out of Iceland that wants to invest in Texas, right? So I thought, well, that's fascinating, but that's also a little terrifying because, uh, you know, wait a second, I don't, I don't want those folks to come and take, take our properties. And then uh, how many of you guys are familiar with the iBuy? It kind of has me a little bit more nervous than anything else as a real estate investor. So iBuyers came into the market initially to disrupt uh, real estate transactions in general, and it's really done a, a, a big job of disrupting real realtors, right? But collateral damage is us, real estate investors, right? As they're trying to make this uh, home buying profit, uh, process much uh, more effortless. So iBuyers, because they're funded by Wall Street, guess what they can do? Guess what they can do on every house? They can pay top dollar and they can do what? They can pay cash and they can what? Have any of you guys competed against any of these iBuyers and looked at their offers? They go way above, which means do they make any money? I read an article from the Texas A&M Real Estate Center that said on average, these iBuyers, so Open Door, Redfin, Zillow, Trulia, all those guys, lose on average $8,000 a house. How long could you as the individual investor afford to stay in business if you're losing on average $8,000 a house? That would be not long at all. But because, so the question is, what's the aim? So these iBuyers, they can, they're, they're backed by Wall Street. They, they are in someone else's pocket and they have unlimited access to that, right? And you see companies that are, went, go public, they have a billion dollar valuation, but they've never made any money. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But somebody believes in their concept and the market, the stock market, for example, believes in their concept. So, so, so what are they doing? What are they doing losing $8,000 a house? Is that part of the plan? It might be. Are they will so so the question is, are you willing to take a loss in the short run to be able to win in the long run? Are you being long-term greedy about this? So I don't know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna this is actually even a little bit before my time, but uh, Delta Airlines used to be the number one airlines here in Texas uh, as kind of the commuter airline for all the places throughout Texas. So going um you know, in the triangle, right? Austin, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. And when Southwest Airlines came in and said, hey, we want to focus just on the Texas market, and Delta was flying not just in Texas, but all over, all over the country, you know, Southwest had, you know, a very special, you know, and a little bit of a disruptive offering, right? So to, to take, you know, cars off the road. But when Delta got wind of that, what did Delta do? Delta looked in to Delta's deep, deep pockets and said what? Southwest is selling their tickets for $100? I'll sell my tickets for 79. How long is it gonna take Southwest to go belly up and out of business, right? So what are, so could you see that kind of being the aim there? Could you see that being supported in that way? And then they're also trying to, um, and, and this is something that I learned in MBA school, and, and that is, you know, when a bear comes out of hibernation, they track marmot. Marmot has like enough calories in one of these little, you know, think of it as like a little squirrel. Think of it as have as a marmot having about 500 calories worth of, you know, food, like eating a hamburger, right? But guess how much the bear has to expend in calories to be able to catch that marmot? More than 500. Why is the bear doing this? The bear is sharpening its claws. 
right? The bear is waking up. The bear is tuning in its, its senses, right? So that, that it, they can use that to go after the bigger, you know, prey, right? And to be able to have that and to be able to eat that. But they're not going to get there unless they first try and build out their systems. And they're lucky enough to have pockets that are deep enough to be able to build out those systems and be not unprofitable for a long time. So is that a disruption to us as real estate investors? So real estate investors were not the, necessarily the target. And I wouldn't even say that real estate agents were necessarily the target of some open door and some of these iBuyer groups. But they're just like, hey, we can make this a little bit better. We can make this a little bit easier. We can make this a little bit more effortless. So real estate agents are suffering in a way. But for us as real estate investors, we are a little bit of that collateral damage along the way. Because for those of you guys who have not yet competed against an iBuyer, I will tell you right now, they are bidding, you know, for us, we use a real estate investor maximum allowable offer formula, which is what? 70% of the ARV minus repairs for, and, 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 and if you're making that offer, you're typically only making somewhere between 10 and 15% of your ARV in terms of your profit. So if you're offering instead 85 to 90% of the ARV minus repairs, which is pretty typical of what we're seeing some of these iBuyers offer, right? Because they just want to get houses. They're not going to make money and we can't compete with them. So it's our job to identify. So, so uh, uh, your job as an entrepreneur, your job as an entrepreneur is to be on the lookout for disruptions, right? And then your job as an entrepreneur, after you notice a disruption, iBuyers, come up with a solution for this disruption, right? Put a process around it and hand it to your assistant, your VA, your coworker, whatever, to be able to do that for you while you're up, heads up looking for that next disruption. So for me, I've been spending a lot of time lately thinking about, well, how can we beat the iBuyers? Well, iBuyers are not in every niche. For me as a real estate investor, a lot of times I'm dealing with a seller who, uh, who, who what? I'm dealing with a lot of times a seller who does not want to sell their property and is not calling an iBuyer. So I, now I have to go deeper into my niche and find those people because I know they're not calling anybody to come and buy their home, but there I am like calling them, knocking on their door, talking to them, right? So I have to go deeper in my niche as a real estate investor to make sure that I'm not competing against somebody who I can't win with, right? There's, there's, there's a saying, um, if you compete with stupid, try not to win, right? Because if you win, that means that you've probably lost. You just might not know it yet, right? So some of these institutional buyers are coming. I could go probably another 20 minutes on this piece, but I just want to kind of give you an idea of what some of these disruptions are. Uh, many houses are still not going to into foreclosure because of government policies, right? We lost about 18 months of foreclosures. I think we only had about 2,000 foreclosures in the year 2000. We'll probably have at least double. Oh, we may have... Um, We'll have that many in 2021 and maybe more. I don't even know if it'll be double, but that's significantly fewer foreclosures than what we've had over, you know, the prior several years. In fact, that was the number of foreclosures that we might have in a, in a month or three months, you know, two or three months here in Texas. So that's something different as well. And guess what? All of these sellers, all these homeowners who are behind on their payments, what do they still have? Equity. In 2008, when they got behind on their payments, what did they not have? Equity. Is it a different game now? It's a very different game now. But does equity mean anything to you when you're behind a month, three months, six months, 18 months on your payments? You're not getting a refinance. 
What bank's going to touch you? If you're still not working, you can't reinstate that loan. So are you still probably going to go into foreclosure with equity? This is, this is, this is actually a beautiful thing because I'll tell you that, um, that back in 2008, when I was buying, you know, properties from sellers and they were, the equity wasn't there. Literally, I would have to go tell a seller, I'd be happy to buy your house, but I'm going to need you to bring about $10,000 to the closing table. Now it's like, I'm happy to buy your house and I get to write you a check for $10,000, right? So it's a little bit, uh, it's changed. There are so many things that are changing right now. And uh, speaking of changes and speaking of pivots in our business, I want to invite you guys uh, uh, to part of our uh, tribe, part of our community. So you heard Flavia talk about it. Uh, for those of you guys who were listening to that episode of Houses Flipping People before we got started uh, with the official meeting today. But every, uh, every month we try and do a three-day class for the members of the RIA. And in that three-day class, we talk about the different strategies that we use as real estate investors. We talk about the marketing to be able to find these off-market deals. We talk about understanding your niche and going deep into your niche and how to compete against other investors, uh, even the institutional ones. Uh, and then you'll also get an opportunity to meet other successful investors like Flavia, like Olivia, like Nancy, who you heard talk uh, earlier today, and get a copy of the business plan that we put into place that has allowed us to not have to update our resume uh, since 2003. So that's one of the cool things that we get to do as part of our investor association. And one of the things that we started to do about 18 months ago when we moved everything to Zoom is we started to do it for free. And one of the things that we're continuing to do now, uh, because we feel we still feel like this world is very disrupted, is we're continuing to do that for free. I don't know how much longer we're going to continue to do that, but I want to invite you guys to join and take advantage of it uh, while we are opening it up and uh, basically telling you guys you can come for free and learn about investing to be able to uh, maybe change your life and to get more familiar with investing and have it be part of your way to invest in uh, real estate, uh, part of your, be your way to create income and wealth for you all. So we've got several classes coming up. So if you guys would like to join us, uh, we've got a class in uh, Dallas in sep on September the 10th, 11th, and 12th in Houston, September the 24th, 25th, and 26th, and Austin, Central Texas, October 8th, 9th, and 10th. And the way we are going to teach the class is kind of like the way that we're doing this presentation right now, our Real Estate Investor Association meeting, which is we invite you guys to come and be in a room with us and uh, your other fellow real estate investors, or if you can't come to the room, we invite you guys to watch it on Zoom, right? So that's how we'll be uh, uh, using uh, that setup. So you can, uh, you can do it and you can do it both ways. So we have some people who want to, um, how do I say this, quote unquote, work on Friday. You know what that means, right? In this generation, when you're working from home, you're quote unquote, working right? So we have some people who want to watch it on Zoom on Friday and then come live and in person on Saturday and Sunday. So you guys are welcome to do that as well. But again, uh, we want to meet you guys where you are at and where you feel comfortable. So if you'd like to join us uh, live and in person, you can come to any one of these meetings. I know some of you guys probably have family or friends in some of these different uh, locations throughout Texas. Uh, but And some of these dates may work better for you than others. Uh, but again, we'd love to have you guys join us to teach you more about real estate investing. 
And guys, I'm going to go ahead and get started with a market update. So I want to share with you what has happened in Texas. And we'll also share what's going on specifically here in San Antonio, because that's where we are tonight. And I'll also very quickly break down some of the other major cities throughout Texas, just so you can be aware of what's going on here in this market. So last month, Texas saw an increase in average sales price up 18% year over year. The closed sales were actually down in Texas uh, for the uh, first time uh, in uh, about uh, this last eight or about the last uh, 16 months because they were down last March, April, and May before they shot up in June. And these are the July results. So some of us were still in quarantine in June. So uh, throughout last year. So what does that mean? So there was a lot of pent up demand that hit in July of 2020. So Mark Twain says, uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? So you got to make sure you make it relative to something. So I'll say versus what we sold in 28, uh, pardon me, 2019, we are ahead of what we sold in what we would call a normal market in 2019. Pending sales are down. They're down 3% again because of all of the big wave of people stop stopping being at home and actually going out shopping for houses. So that's one of the big changes. So I don't want you guys to look at this and say, oh my gosh, the sky's falling, right? Because that's not actually the case because we were comparing it against a blowout month last month. Year to date in Texas, sales are up 12% and the average price is up 21.4%. So I do want to be very clear again, why those sales are down and why those pending sales are down. Uh, it's really important to understand, to really have that perspective, to uh, to make sure you're not going in one direction that might be the wrong direction, comparing it to, again, that blowout month that we had in July of 2020. So throughout uh, Texas, single-family home sales ended a multi-month positive run, about a 15-, 16-month positive run in year-over-year sales with a 9.4% drop uh, versus July of 2020. The decline was a result of that worldwide disruption that we're still here living through right now. Uh, so remember, we had a record-setting surge of sales in July of 2020 as COVID-related lockdowns were lifted, enabling some of those postponed closings from March, April, and May, which are known as what? The tip, typically the heaviest sales seasons of the year, right? Uh, those uh, closings were allowed to proceed. Again, year-to-date numbers in Texas still up 12% year-over-year. Uh, the Houston data, I'll just very quickly go through this. Sales price was up 15% year-over-year. Closed sales were down 6%. Um, year-to-date, sales are up 19% in Houston, and average sales price is up 18% in Houston. In Austin, uh, the average price uh, was 596000 up 34% year-over-year. Closed sales were down 10%. But year-to-date, closed sales are up 11%, and the average price is up 36%. I want to go Dallas, and I'll go back to San Antonio. I want to end on San Antonio. Uh, Dallas, the average price was up 20% year-over-year. Uh, total sales were down 17%, but the year-to-date sales in Dallas are still up 2%, and the average price in Dallas is up 23%. 
So San Antonio is where I want to end. Uh, average price uh, up 18% to 353000 Sales last month were down 9%, but again, year to date, they're up 10%. And the average price year to date is up 17%. So still a great year. And I know we are going to blow out uh, what we did in 2020. And 2020 by itself was a blowout year for uh, all of, uh, for San Antonio and for all of Texas as well. So guys, uh, as I wrap up here today, I want to make sure that uh, you guys are invited and want to make sure you guys know that you are invited to our next three-day training. So this is where we're going to go over the strategies. And when I talk about strategies, these are the strategies that I'm going to have my husband, who I've been investing with uh, for almost two decades now, share some of those 12 different strategies that we've been using as real estate investors to be able to not just survive market disruptions, but also really thrive during market disruptions. We'll also talk about the marketing campaigns that you need to do to be able to find some of these sellers, these off-market uh, campaigns. We'll go over the 10, what we call exactly what to say for the real estate investor. So if you've got some fear, right, or if you're not confident yet, or you just don't know, well, what do I say when they say this? We're going to go over exactly that so you feel that confidence as you are investing. We'll introduce you to some of the other members of the association so you can get great partners and also get access to funding. And of course, right now we are doing it for free, but again, it's a limited time. We've been doing it for free for the last 18 months, but as we're starting to meet live, we're paying for these hotels and these ballrooms and we're going to start passing it on to you guys. So while uh, we're still doing that, I wanna make sure you guys get in on it. Houston, September uh, 24, 25, 26, Austin, Central Texas, October 8, 9, and 10. Love to get you guys signed up for it. Uh, I've got a QR code. So how many of you guys are familiar with QR codes? Yes, this is what we use now when we order at restaurants. So unfortunately, this QR code won't pop up a menu with margaritas and fajitas. But uh, if you fill out all of the questions that we've got for you to get you registered that are part of this QR code, uh, we'll get you something better than margaritas and fajitas. We'll get you income. We'll get you wealth that will ultimately allow you to buy all the margaritas and fajitas you could ever want, right? So go ahead and follow that link. Go ahead and get registered. We've got a couple questions we want to ask you. And then one of the cool things, and I see Stefan, are you out there? Thomas, are you out there? Can I get a blueprint? Can I get a blueprint? So one of the things that we are giving away tonight is our real estate investor blueprint. So it goes over the 272 different things that we've learned about investing. And if you guys uh, fill out the form through this link, uh, we're going to give you a copy of the blueprint. Would you mind unrolling it and like kind of uh, uh, demoing it and showing it around a little bit for everybody? So uh, uh, we've got a couple of questions to make sure that we get you registered for the class. We also want to figure out where you are today and ultimately where you want to go in the future. So what we'll do for you as you fill out that questionnaire online is we'll help you weave together a plan. We'll help you with your own real estate investor blueprint. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.